Hello, Internet. My name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. 50 podcasts. 50 podcasts, Green Verdict has we've, done. We've made it. It's very good. 50. It's like half a century. If only we put this much effort into school. Yeah. Or anything else we in We wouldn't our be lives. making yeah. no money off a podcast. Yeah. That's yes. our occupations. Exactly. But uh, we've got a real treat for the listeners today. In order to celebrate the 50th, we decided to do a big one. A yeah. rank. We yeah. love the rank. Yeah. And the last time we did a rank, it was very popular. A lot of people listening and downloading, asking for more. We get into it. We argue. Yeah. People yeah. listening, they get into it. They yeah. argue. Everyone's got an opinion. It was very controversial last time we did one of these. And this time what we're doing is we're ranking the 20 best drama show characters of the, the 2000s. Not that we, with comedies we did the past 20 years. Yeah, we had some some classic entries like Jazz from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But this time we were struggling to uh, even out our list with enough 90s drama characters. So we thought we'd limit it to from 2000 till now. Well, the standard of drama series the past sort of 12 years has been so high. Like, we're really in this renaissance period of drama series at the moment. So there's more than enough characters from the past 12 years to fill this list. Absolutely. Now, we've managed to narrow it down to 20. Yes. And on the podcast, we'll be ranking those 20, arguing for who is our favourites, who deserves to be at the top of the list. Yes. So this is how it's going to work. The same way we did our comedy rank, we'll be randomly selecting each of these names from the cowboy hats, (laughs) from a cowboy hat, very important part of the process. Uh, We'll then be talking about them as we sort of argue the merits or lack of merits of the characters We'll either rank them in our high, middle, or low category, okay? And uh, then we'll, uh, at the end, we'll have a look at the list. We'll adjust where we where we need to. All right, let's get cracking. Let's get yeah. into it. Yeah, I hope our relationship survives this podcast, Jonathan. <laughs> it could be pretty, get pretty hairy. It would be hard to do a podcast if we're not on speaking terms. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see how we go. I've got the cowboy hat here. All the names have been uh, put in it. Shaking it up. Shaking up all the names in the cowboy hat. Do you want to draw the first name? Oh, what an honour. Okay. We have Ruth Fisher. Ah! From Six Feet Under. Mmm. Mmm. A lot of Six Feet Under fans. Now, Ruth Fisher was the, I guess, matriarch of the Six Feet Under family. First episode, her husband dies, and it's sort of like as the show follows how her and her children continue on the funeral home business that they run. A lot of death in this show. So throughout the course of the series, you get to see her sometimes fail, sometimes succeed at being a mother for these children. She uh, has quite a temper and maybe isn't the most stable person in the world. And there's a lot of great outburst scenes that she has and things like that. And uh, in some ways, uh, it was the real core of the show. She's the only person in the series that got an Emmy nomination every single season. So definitely the Emmy voters thought she was the best. I was tempted to almost put her daughter, Claire Fisher, in here, the the um, young redhead on the show, because she's really good too. But at the end of the day, I thought Ruth probably is the more iconic character from Six Feet Under. Um, I, I guess we're saying with this, uh, with this, we're only having one entrant from each series, okay? Which I think is quite important for a drama series rank, because 
Like, you could get maybe, like... It would be quite boring if yeah. Matt just listed the cast of the West Wing. <laughs> well, yeah, like, and I think, like, you could probably get a great list of 20 characters from maybe West Wing, The Wire, and Six Feet Under. Like, you could probably <laughs> fill up a list of 20 there, and it would be a pretty respectable list. So I think um, it's sort of important that we've said one from each show. So what do you think of Rue Fisher, Jonathan? I think we'll learn throughout the podcast that I'm a bit of a fan of HBO. Mm. Surprisingly, Six Feet Under is probably the one HBO show that I'm not up to date with that I've not watched all of. Mm. But from what I've seen, Ruth Fisher seems like a pretty interesting character. Yeah. Quite serious, but she does have these moments of outbursts which Mm. are pretty entertaining to watch, quite well acted and quite funny. Yeah. Uh, It seems Six Feet Under, dark topic, but can also be quite light and amusing at times. So... I think she's uh, a pretty entertaining character. Yeah, I quite like her. So where should we put her? High, middle, or low? And I actually put her in the category of one of the great Emmy robberies. Someone who sh- probably should have won an Emmy for Best Lead Actress and, and missed out. You're perhaps more familiar with her than I am. I'd be thinking maybe middle. Yeah, uh, like I don't love her. Like I'm not going to put her high. <laughs> the low end of middle? Low end of middle, middle. okay. It's hard with these initial places. Yeah, so because we no reference no, point. No reference point, okay. Well, time for me to draw a name out of the cowboy hat. Ho, ho, ho. One of your favourites, Jonathan. Detective Vic Mackey. Vic Mackey from The Shield. Mm. Now, The Shield is one of my favourite shows. I'm not ashamed to admit that I've cried watching The Shield. The Shield made me cry on more than one occasion. I was that involved. Very sensitive show, The Shield. Very feminine, sort of (laughs) (laughs) emotional show, The Shield. For those who don't know, uh, Vic Mackey is the leader of uh, this strike team, this police unit that deals Mm. with sort of Mm. hard criminals, uh, drug dealers, and they're sort of, uh, they're able to get away with a bit more. Mm. But this unit's perhaps a bit corrupt and Vic's the head of that and he's got a lot of schemes going. There's always a bit of money on the side, a little bit of uh, playing games with the officers above him and the frustrating thing with Vic is he always gets away with it the people on top can't control him he's out there on the street doing what he wants Mm. and uh and the show does a good job of sort of creating this moral gray area yeah because sometimes he does what he does to get results Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's just for personal gain yes so he's an action-packed uh crafty character that heads up one of my favorite drama shows yeah um, I haven't seen as much of this show as you, but I definitely have checked in with it from time to time. Saw the uh, great pilot episode, which uh, won in the Emmy. If you uh, don't like the pilot episode of The Shield, well, you shouldn't be watching TV. But if if, you, if that doesn't get you hooked, nothing will. Yeah. Well, I didn't go and watch the second episode after that, so <laughs> hooked is probably not the right word. But it was very, very good performance. Very strong. Uh, he's one of these uh, sort of corrupt policemen's. Um, he's very entertaining. Vic Mackey. I think he's a good detective. Like, <laughs> I like Vic That's Mackey's how you good. go about yeah. being a detective. I'm a little sensitive for anyone who like beat Martin Sheen at the Emmys. Because <laughs> um, uh, he never won. Uh, so, like, you know, Martin Sheen been doing it for years and then Vic Mackey just rocks up and wins at his first go. Uh, but, but, no, it was a very... And this is probably why I won the Emmy. That pilot episode, especially the very end moment, sticks with you. It, like, stays with you. It's a very impactful scene where he does something a bit dodgy. Um, <laughs> Just a dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, no, I think he's a, a good character. Uh, maybe the middle is where I'd go with him. 
But what what do you think? I would choose to have him high. Mm-hmm. Maybe the bottom end of high. Okay. I'd be, like I think I'm he's a pretty iconic character. I'd be even though he's not my favorite. I'd be happy to put him low end of high. Oh, that sounds good. Mm. Okay, well it's your turn to pull a name out. We have Alan Shaw from The Practice slash Boston Legal. Mm. Yes, two shows. (laughs) Well, if uh, winning an Emmy makes you like a character more, with Vic Vic Mackey won one, Alan Shaw won three. (laughs) Three lead actor drama Emmys. Huge amount. Yeah, fill us in on Alan Shaw a bit, Jonathan. Alan Shaw is a lawyer at the law firm of Crane, Poole and Schmidt. Yeah. He's... uh, Best friends, Flamingos, <laughs> with uh, Denny Crane, played by uh, William Shatner. Yeah. And they make one of the great duos. It was hard to pick mm. one. Yeah. Because they're a great team. They're... The older male friendship is something that's hard to do seriously. And I think it's really well done how funny they can be together, but also how touching they are. Mm. And also how good they are at going about the dirty, gritty world of defense lawyering. Mm. And no one's smarter, sexier, sleazier than Alan Shaw. He yeah. is. He gets results with the women, with yeah. his cases. Yeah. He's a good friend to Danny. He's a really funny and interesting character. Yeah, I, I love Alan Shaw, and I know Danny Crane's such a great, iconic character, but for me, it was an easy choice. Um, he came into the practice the last season when Dylan McDermott wanted more money, and I said, well, Get lost. We'll get uh, James Spader in. Uh, <laughs> James Spader rocks on up, wins an Emmy for the season of the practice, something Dylan McDermott was never able to do uh, after seven years on the show. And it's sort of the practice is a fairly serious, dramatic law firm. And Alan Shaw comes in, and he's really the cat amongst the pigeons. He starts doing all these dodgy, unethical things, making fun of people, teasing people causing these theatrics in court and they just get really frustrated and they end up uh, fi- uh, they end up firing him. So then he takes the whole practice to court and sues them <laughs> for wrongful termination. And it's just so great seeing him go up against the, all the practice people. Then he gets his own spin-off show because Denny Crane represents him in that case and invites him on board. And yeah, you've got this great thing about Shaw where he's sort of like a bit of a ladies' man, especially in the earlier seasons. He's really cheeky. He's always doing sort of things that are a little maybe morally ambiguous. But he's also got these ideals. And he's a a very idealistic person in some ways. And he gives these great speeches at the end of episodes. One of my favourite things in TV is Alan Shaw's closing. Yes. He stands up, he buttons his suit, Uh, and then no matter how bad the case is going, you always know that he's going to spin this excellent tale that's going to bring sort of the moral of the issue into a great story mm. and this closing that is going to bring the jury around mm. on the case. And it's thoroughly entertaining every single time. Yeah. And he's managed to up the stakes throughout the series mm. going throughout the various courts. And the Supreme Court is where he gives some of his greatest closings. There's a Supreme Court scene in, I think, season four where he gives a closing. And it is of the 40-minute episode, 10 minutes is him just talking about the death penalty. And there is... Really no other show on TV the past 12 years that has done something like that. Just had character, a character stand up and speak for 10 minutes on an issue. Uh, some people go, it's a bit soapbox-ish, it's a bit preaching, things like that. But no other show is doing that. And I think it's the way that they're able to do that in such an entertaining way and such a... It's just really, really impressive. And any other character, you'd be bored. But Alan Shaw sells it. He makes it funny. 
he makes it um, irreverent, he makes it entertaining, he makes it dramatic. Like, and in that ten minute scene, and in the his five minute closings or eight minute closings, you get that. So yeah, I think he's fantastic. Hi, hi, hi for Alan yeah, Shaw. I think hi for Alan Shaw. Hi for sure. <laughs> <laughs> A bit above Vic Mackey, we're thinking. Yeah, yeah. Next name. Okay. Omar Little. Omar Little from The Wire. Okay, I'm not as into The Wire as you, so maybe uh, fill us in on Omar Little. Now, The Wire is my favourite drama show. It's my number one. Mm, So it was always going to be hard to pick. Especially hard because The Wire is a bit of an ensemble Mm, cast, an ensemble show. But I've gone with Omar. Omar is a bit of a modern-day Robin Hood. Mm -hmm. He robs drug dealers. That's how he makes his living. He walks around with a sawn-off shotgun and takes money and drugs off drug dealers. But he ends up becoming one of the sort of most likable characters on the show and perhaps even one of the more moral characters of the show. And he gives this great speech about a man has to have a code. He's talking with a a policeman about he's never turned his gun on anyone who wasn't in the game. If you're part of the drug-dealing game, this is part of it. And he'll rob you, but he has a code that he won't turn it on anyone outside of it. Mm-hmm. And Omar has, to, has some great lines. I won't try and do the impression, yeah. <laughs> but uh, things like, it's all in the game, yo, are really classic scenes from The Wire. And he's just a cool, badass guy mm. that everybody fears. But at the same time, he's gay. And Ooh. in a particularly sort of homophobic sort of community scene, this makes it even harder to swallow for the drug dealers. They're getting robbed by this yeah. gay person. Mm. So I think Omar's a, a very interesting character with a lot of depth. And I thoroughly enjoyed all the scenes he was in. Really one of the, the great characters in a great show. Yeah, I, I like I like that code thing. I think that's great. Uh, I saw some scenes and, like, he's just very entertaining on screen. Like, there was a scene where he was uh, stealing drugs from another, I guess, drug sellers, dealers, whatever they're called. Not really into the drug. Stash house. The stash house. Okay, I'm not down with the <laughs> lingo. Um, obviously not something I do. Yeah, and he's like, let little pigs, let me in, let me in. I'll huff and I'll puff and I'll blow your house down. Okay, that's so entertaining. Yeah, so he's a lot of good value, this Omar Little. I'm going to guess you're going to want to put him high, is my prediction here. Yes. <laughs> You'd be correct. Okay. Yeah, and I'm happy to allow a character from the Y to go high. I think that's, and Omar Little was uh, pretty good. So I guess the question will be, do you prefer him to Vic Mackey? I would think maybe above Vic, below Alan. Okay. Ooh, here's oh, the next one from is... your favourite show to my favourite show. <laughs> President Jed Bartlett from The West Wing. Mm. This is a pretty incredible character, uh, Jed Bartlett from The West Wing, uh, played by Martin Sheen. He's the President of the United States, and he, for the pilot episode, he's not even in most of the episode. He just comes in at the very end and sort of ties everything up together. He's a good character because you see from him, like, he gives these speeches every now and then, and maybe a bit like Alan Shaw without the comedy, he's able to do a really important, dramatic, inspiring speech that's sort of very based on the way he delivers it and just someone you go, oh, man, he's so amazing, and you look up to him. But then you also see him in the show uh, struggle with MS and go through the illness of MS and him sort of be the glue that holds the West Wing staff together. 
and he's just this great sort of idealised version of a president, while at the same time you're seeing a very flawed man, someone who at the end of season two has this big rant at God about all the things he's struggling with. About so how he's not allowed to smoke in church. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, so yeah, so you see a man who's sort of the perfect president, but also a man that has real struggles and real humanity. So I think it's a really well-fleshed-out, great performance. Now, in reference to Boston Legal, you said it could be a little soapboxy and preachy. I find that at times with the West Wing. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. I find at times it gets a little soft mm-hmm. with how it deals some of these issues. But when the West Wing is on, it's on. Mm. President Jed Bartlett has some of the great scenes in television, like that church scene. And one of my favourite ones is a speech he gives after there's a fire at a university. I think it's in an episode called 24 Hours in America. 20 Hours in America. So um, not quite a full day that episode <laughs> And he gives this speech about how these students died running into the fire. Yeah. And the way he tells the story of how the streets of heaven will be crowded with angels tonight. Yeah. I got teary. It was a yeah. really yeah. impacting scene. Yeah. Although I think it's a little inconsistent, those scenes really epitomise how great the West Wing and the character of Jeb Bartlett can be. Yeah. Again, I think we're going to be both be leaning towards high. Yeah, well, I definitely think he's high. Yep. I think of all the names we've had so far, he's my favourite. So I'd put him at the top of the list so far. I would have him high as well, but I think I prefer Alan Shaw. Okay. Well, maybe we keep him below Alan Shaw for now, and then when we've got the whole list together, we could reopen it. There's always some revision at the end. But I think rather than having a big argument now... Right, I'll get the cowboy hat as you jot that down. Okay, is it my turn to pick one? Yeah. Losing track again. From president to president, President Charles Logan. (laughs) Talking another president. Now, uh, President Charles Logan was the president on seasons, season five of 24, maybe towards the end of... uh, End of four, he was president two, or at least acting president. It's probably an interesting call going with Charles Logan for 24 over Jack Bauer, <laughs> who's a pretty iconic character. I feel like when you read it out, a lot of people said, who's President Charles Logan? Yeah, they might have, <laughs> and we can explain to them who he is. Yeah, so Jack- well, let's establish that you picked Charles Logan okay. over Jack Bauer, so I'll let you explain. Okay, okay. Just put you in the hot seat. Yeah. Jack Bauer's obviously a great, iconic action character. Like, I'm not going to argue that Jack Bauer's not a good character and wouldn't be good on this list. Perhaps a victim of only having one representative from each show. However, President Charles Logan, uh, I think, is a better character than Jack Bauer. I think season five was the best season of 24 ever. And I think in large part due to Gregory Itzen as Charles Logan, because 24, we, uh, you know, sort of have the terrorists plotting an attack. Jack has to stop it. He got a bit repetitive and a bit sort of predictable. Season five, they sort of changed the whole game by making it that the president was working with the terrorists. And he all of a sudden became the, the villain. And it sort of became that Jack had to bring down the president of the United States 
which is such an interesting storyline. You see through President Charles Logan, a man who is a president who is not good, sort of the anti-Jed Bartlett, <laughs> someone who is cowardly, who, uh, you know, his, his flaws is a scene where he contemplates suicide and things like that. Uh, he is a man who is a great, one of the great TV adversaries, one of the great TV villains of the past 12 years. And then uh, a few seasons later in 24, you see um, an ideal president, uh, played by Sherry Jones, President Taylor. And she needs some help with the Russians. That's something that President Logan had some experience in. So she calls him in to help. And you see how he slowly, throughout the course of the season, corrupts her and turns a good president into a bad president too. And that's just really, like, it's all like the Joker in Batman, I guess, how he's able to corrupt <laughs> Harvey Dent. Like, I, I really think, the, when I look back on the last 12 years as the great TV villains, he's the one I'd probably say was the great TV villain of the past 12 years. When I was watching season five of 24, I really didn't like this character. I thought, Ooh. he's this bumbling, annoying idiot. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's a terrible character. But then, throughout the course of the season, how it's revealed that, He's actually basically the bad guy yeah. for the show. Uh, and all of that was just an act in order yeah. to cover up uh, what he re- was really trying to get done. Made him a pretty interesting character. And I think I would agree with you, season five was one of, if not the best seasons of 24. To me, he is pretty lucky to be in this list over Jack Bauer. Whoa. I'm a pretty big Jack Bauer fan. Oh, I, um, <laughs> I think he's one of the one of the great heroes. If you're referring to... Someone that's going to get the job done in an action-packed, pressure-packed situation. Probably the most common and best pop culture reference is Jack Bauer. Yeah. But I do think Charles Logan is is a great character, but I'm not thinking as high for uh, him him on the list as I've had uh, some of our previous characters. Well, I'd put Charles Logan high. (laughs) (laughs) He's the greatest villain of TV of the past 12 years. I'd be thinking low. Well, uh, okay. So we've got a big divide here. So uh, let's say middle above Ruth Fisher. Okay. Feel like we've created a bit of a President Logan ceiling. <laughs> the next list. Whoa. Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. <laughs> Tyrion Lannister fans might be disappointed. Everyone <laughs> <laughs> controversial choice for another. Now, Jonathan, why did you pick Daenerys Targaryen over Tyrion Lannister? I don't think I did. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how the hot seat works. Okay. <laughs> Once again, it's Matt in the hot... Well, it might not be that controversial. I think yeah. Daenerys is a great character. The mother of dragons. And I feel like a lot of people do like her as their favourite character. I think if you polled Game of Thrones fans for their favourite character, I think Tyrion might win by an edge over Daenerys Targaryen, and I don't think anyone else is in the race. Here's the thing about Daenerys. Yeah. I think she's an interesting character, and she started off well, but her character is definitely going places. Mm. Her character is going to get more and more interesting as the show goes yeah. on. And as someone that hasn't read the books and has only seen the first two seasons of the show, I don't really know what to expect. That's what I'm anticipating. Mm. Tyrion is a great character. He's a great schemer. He's he's Mm. hilarious. But I'm not sure what there is that much more for him to do. Mm. Whereas with Daenerys, you know, she's going to come over the sea. Her dragons are going to grow up. She's this 
pure, innocent girl that is turning into this great leader, and mm. I think she's great to watch and a lot of potential there. So, yeah, Matt, what are some of your reasons for picking okay. Daenerys? The reason I, I chose Daenerys is because she is the character that I, I like the most in the show, obviously, so I chose her. But um, I think with her, we see someone in the episode one who is very timid, very scared, uh, like a pawn almost that's being used in this game by other people. She's just um, being passed around and things for other people's benefit. And you see her throughout the course of the two seasons, specifically season one, but in season two well uh, as well, grow into a leader and grow into someone who, who, who is a strong leader who can hold her own. I think the Golden Crown episodes where she really, her big coming out party, but <laughs> a bit before then too, uh, when she decides to like go on top in sex with <laughs> with Drogo. <laughs> but yeah, no, but you see her progress from, from very timid to a serious player for the Game of Thrones, who actually now is going to have to do it on her own bat. Like, she's not relying on her brother or her husband or anything like that. She is going to have to be a leader herself. And I think also someone who it'll become clear as it progresses what she's like. But someone I think has some kind of moral core in the show, which is interesting. I'm thinking middle. Yeah, I think middle's reasonable for her. Whereabouts in middle? One thing below Charles Logan. <laughs> um, it's a, I would agree in the same league. Yeah. I'll put it below. <laughs> Here we go. Samson. From Carnival. Okay. Well, I thought we couldn't do this list without a dwarf on it. And seeing as I couldn't get Tyrion <laughs> on the list, I had to get Michael J. Anderson, <laughs> Samson from Carnival on there. Carnival, similar to The Wire, is a bit of an ensemble-ish hmm. type show. We have a setting of Dust Bowl around 1930s America. It's basically a story of magic and good versus evil, and you have this this runaway criminal and a preacher and they have the two sort of unrunning storylines of one of them trying to do god's work one of them joining this carnival and these stories kind of come together to basically determine the future of mankind there's a lot at stake in the show carnival carnival escalates so wait i haven't watched all these shows so it's like i just saw it i thought it was about a circus are you telling me this circus is dictating the future for mankind well, I don't want to spoil it for people that haven't watched the show, and I can't because the show got cancelled after two seasons, yeah. so I can't tell you exactly how it would have ended. Okay. But basically, the end of the world is at stake. So for a show about a circus, there are pretty high stakes. <laughs> Higher stakes than you would expect for a show about a circus. And I guess the interesting thing about Samson is, while all this is going on, he's just trying to run the carnival. Now, he knows a little bit more than he lets on. He sort of hides secrets and tries to hide certain characters from meeting other characters because he's afraid of the consequences. So he's a little bit of a, a surprise schemer. But what makes Samson a good character is the energy and his interesting mannerisms that he brings to the show and the way that he deals with all these odd people that you have in a kind of all these, these freaks and these mm. talented people and crazy people. And he's this short guy that has to manage them all and keep them going, deal with the lore, and uh, and keep everything together. So I think he's quite a, an interesting and, and funny character. 
Mm. I like the sound of this guy. Sounds like, oh, the w- end of the world's at stake sort of stuff. And he's like, look, I might just to run a circus. I'm going to avoid the end of the world drama. <laughs> just make sure we put on a good show each night, guys. So I, I like that. I like that attitude. And he's got a pretty cool hat. <laughs> I like his hat. So um, what are you thinking for where he should be ranked? I'm thinking maybe below Daenerys. Yeah, I'm thinking low for Samson. Perhaps we put him at the top of low. Okay. All right, here we go. Paddy Hughes from Damages. Ah, uh, yes. Paddy Hughes played by uh, Glenn Close, a pretty big name. For those of you that haven't seen Damages, it's about a law firm, Hughes and Associates. Yeah. Paddy Hughes is kind of the big gun lawyer on these big sort of class action suits. Like, she goes after the, the bad guys and tries to get those... Hundreds of millions of dollars for all the people that uh, yeah. deserve it. Win at all costs. Definitely. Yeah. Because she is not above the sneaky tactics of uh, the uh, mm. people that she's trying to uh, sue for being sneaky. Yeah. Damages is a really complex layered show with lots of twists and turns. Mm. And it's structured in an interesting way. At the start of every episode, we see a clip from usually a couple of months in the future. Very artily shot. Yeah. Like a grainy, <laughs> like... And that could just be a bit of a shtick, but they do it really well, mm-hmm. sort of integrating these clues into what happens, mm. and you get misled, and then sometimes little clues, mm. and it's really well told. And at the centre of all these twists and turns is Patty Hughes. Oh, yeah. And I guess we like those shows with a bit of moral grey area, because it's hard to say whether she's the hero or the villain of mm. the show, mm. because there's usually someone... I guess a bad guy, yeah. that they're trying to sue each season. There's definitely someone who's a bigger villain than her each season. <laughs> like, she's a bit ambiguous, but there's always, a, like, you're uh, Arthur Frobisher. But sometimes the means with which Patty Hughes gets what she wants crosses a line into making her a villain. Questionably. And sometimes yeah. that's that's you being misled. There's, there's a lot yeah. going on yeah. in this show, Damages. She's usually a few steps ahead of other people. And maybe even the audience. Like, like we sort of think, oh, no, they're about to get Patty Hughes. She's about to get tricked. And then, oh, no, she had something. She knew they were doing that, too. Patty Hughes is one of the greatest characters at manipulating other people. Yes. She loves the game. And everyone is just a piece of the game to her. She mm-hmm. has no problems in lying to people, manipulating people, playing others off against each other in order to get what she wants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that makes for really entertaining TV. Can we get all these characters on a season of Survivor? Like, I'm not going to be, like, a lot of manipulative sort of competitors who are popular. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I think she's great. Where would you rank her? I'm thinking maybe around Vic Mackey. Yeah, I'm thinking high. I'd put her above Vic Mackey, but would you put her below? Interestingly, Glenn Close goes head-to-head with Vic Mackey. In the shield. In the shield. She's won two Emmys for this role, by the way. A two-Emmy winning role. I think she's better in Damages than The Shield. Yeah, I'd agree with that. But I think I'd put her below Vic Mackey. I'm happy to do that for now. Okay, in the high section, below Vic Mackey. Okay, next name. Al Swearingen. Very fitting that he would come out of a cowboy hat. Because <laughs> it's a cowboy show that he's on. We're both fans of Deadwood. I love the Deadwood. you got the box set with the poker chips. Yeah, shot glasses and everything. <laughs> Unfortunately, a show that was planned for a four-season story got cancelled after three seasons. Well, 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 
I think we've got to be fair to HBO on this one. They wanted another season, and it was the creator that said, oh, no, I won't do another season. We'll just do a couple of movies because I want to do a different show now. (laughs) So he wrote a new show for HBO, the famous, beloved John in Cincinnati. (laughs) (laughs) So the real villain of Deadwood was the creator, David Milch. (laughs) Now, Al Swearingen plays a saloon owner Mm. in the town of Deadwood. Yeah. But... In a way, he's actually running the town. Mm. This is a town without any laws. Yes. And they're trying to get, they're trying to get annexed yeah. from the United States so they can yeah. do their own thing. Yes. And so he's really a great leader and manipulator as well. So mm. he's got this saloon where he's running the, the drinks and the girls yeah. and the games. Mm. But he's trying to ma- manage all the other shop owners. He's trying to manage Bullock, the sheriff that's yeah. moved into town. Mm. And there are very few things that he won't do to get what he wants. He, he'll have people killed. He'll yeah. have people turn on shit. He'll rob, steal. But it's not just the the craftiness, the manipulation that makes him great. It's the way he goes about it. Yeah. His energy, his speeches, his ability to unleash just tirades of mm. swear words. Yeah. Mm. That's not just excessive. It's just his character. And there's just a really interesting. And everyone's afraid of him. Yes. Both physically and verbally, he will just assault you. Yeah. Other than maybe the sheriff. Well, yes, and I think that's what makes Deadwood interesting was, yeah. is when he gets these people that aren't afraid of yes. him. Yes. And how he goes about dealing with them, because yeah. he doesn't back down either. No. no and so no, you no. get some great head-to-head clashes, yes. and Al Swearingen's at the, the centre of most of the interesting, exciting things that go on in the show. Yeah, he's definitely the most exciting thing about the show. I'm, I'm going to put it out there. I'd put him low. Low. I'd put him low. Wow. Well, I love most of these characters. So if I had to rank them, he's probably going to come low in my 20. I was thinking very high. Whoa. <gasps> Just so many classic scenes. Why was so he put him on my list? Memorable things. Like him giving speeches while receiving like a blowjob. It's, it's very yeah. weird, but very... Yeah, no, he's very good. Bizarre like imagine, imagine if President Bartlett gave such... <laughs> <laughs> a moving and important speech while getting a blowjob at the same time. Uh, I think that would have taken away from yeah, that. I don't think that's going to make him a better character on the West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alan Shaw could get away with it, though. <laughs> I think Alan Shaw... Well, there is a scene where Alan Shaw's having a meeting, and then, like, uh, Tara gets out from under the desk at the end of it. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> that was great. Um, okay, so you think... Well... Okay, so you're probably going to want him above President Logan. He would have been very high. I've got to go at least <laughs> above President Logan. Okay, well, let's put him in the high category then. So where in the high, What? which of these names are jumping out? Above or below Omar Little? Below. Just, below, okay. Just. Well, let's put him there. We have Don Draper from Mad Oh, the Don. Now, my problem... <laughs> With Don Draper and Madman in general, is he doesn't do anything. Nothing happens. Don Draper, the point of Don Draper is he's a guy who's living the American dream and yet he's still not happy. So I think there's around five seasons of him sitting around drinking scotch and looking just generally a little miffed. 
Okay. Is that okay. a fair summation? Of... No, it's oh, okay. not a fair summation. Okay. This is, uh, here's Don Draper. Okay. He's a cool guy. <laughs> he dresses well. I'll yeah, that. he dresses well. No, no, no. Like, look, he's the guy who on one level has it all. He's got the beautiful wife, January Jones, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to be married to her? Don he, Draper. <laughs> he's got a beautiful wife. He's got a great job, high of his profession, yet he sort of wants more, as he sort of said. And we sort of see him lead this double life, and these, he's got these secrets about his past, and you slowly find out about them over the course of the show. The thing that's great about him, though, is as bad as he is at life in a lot of ways, he is so good at his job. <laughs> that he will, there will be an account, an advertising account. They won't know what to do all episode. And then, in some ways, in a very Alan Shaw type way, he will come into the meeting at the end, deliver that perfect ad pitch, and win over the clients. Like it's just such a heroic moment when Don Draper casually walks into the meeting and snags the account. Like it, it's just a great moment. Then you've got the great relationship stuff. And I think it's very interesting, Don Draper. When I'm watching Mad Men, one of the biggest questions I have in my head is, is Don Draper a good guy? Because <laughs> he, he he cheats on his wife. A lot. He has lies. He has secrets and things like that. That's just a bad guy to me. <laughs> but then you'll see moments where he sort of rises above the pettiness of the office, especially in the most recent season. One of the characters... Uh, was asked to do something uh, by by the partners that was very immoral and very an unfair proposition to that character, and he's the only one who actually reaches out to that character and says, "You should not do this. This is unfair for us to ask you to do." Like you know, he was the only one that had the moral high ground on that issue. So you've got these great heroic moments. You've got this sort of thing where you really want to know who is Don Draper. What is it behind all those just sitting there looking a little unsatisfied? What's behind all those suits? Yeah. I also love it how he just, like, goes and watches movies during work. And not even just, like, with a girl or anything. Because he goes and sees movies on his own during work. He's like, oh, I've got to, got to go out and have a lunch meeting. And then you just see, like, him sitting in a cinema watching a movie by himself. Yet, yet, when I say I watch movies by myself... People say, oh, that's really lame. <laughs> Don Draper does it, and people think he's like the coolest guy ever. <laughs> Look at Don Draper, he's so cool. Low. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say low. Like, uh, obviously you want him higher, so maybe looking in the middle. Yeah, I guess. So, like, above President Logan... I'd be okay with above President Logan. What about above Al Swearingen? <laughs> I'm pretty not happy with that. <laughs> okay, we'll put him above President Logan. Okay, next name. The doctor's in the house, specifically Dr. Gregory House. <laughs> now, I watched quite a bit of House. I really liked it when it first came on. Yeah, fun show. thought House, he's really funny, he's a genius, he hmm. always comes up with weird ways to solve the crazy illness that mm-hmm. no one else is able to figure out yeah. what's what. Then it got a little repetitive. Each week, someone would come in. They wouldn't know what to do. House would come up with something. They'd get better a bit, but then they'd actually get worse. And then we're like, oh, no, we're not going to... And then House would eventually get it at the end. 
And then they had to take the show some weird places in order to yeah. make it uh, different and interesting. And I, I think I stopped watching around season four or five. Mm-hmm. But I do think House is a great character and a really iconic character over the last uh, few years. Mm. Even when the show, the story wasn't that great, I still liked watching him. Yes. Yeah, no, like, I agree on the whole. I think there were some episodes in those last seasons where even he seemed a little bit depressed, like he was less fun to watch. I think it was Hugh Laurie that was pretty key in deciding to end the show. I think even he was having less fun playing House. I, I, asked, the, I asked the creator of House who ended the show, and he said it was a team decision. It yeah. was a group decision. So just, like, there's rumours that Hugh Laurie ended it. The creator told me that it was a team decision. What do you like about House, Matt? I think he's just a, a really funny guy. He's like sort of a, not with the closings, but he's got a bit of that Alan Shaw quality where he can um, go in there and stir the pot. He's the cat amongst the pigeons, the guy that's going to be rude and going to say what's on his mind and going to ruffle the feathers. Like, that, he's just a really fun character. He's got a cane, which is always, like, entertaining. <laughs> characters have, like, canes and things. I think it's, like, quite often being the end of season sort of, like, big twist he gets a new cane uh, <laughs> that being said i'd probably put him low i think house has some great moments but he's probably less consistent than the characters we have on the list so far yeah above or below samson i think i would put him below samson okay i'm fine with that look i love dr house and he's a great character he enters the i guess president bartlett club of people who have been sort of criminally never won an emmy He's got six nominations, never won. Uh, but I think just being on our list is a pretty big accomplishment. It's not like... Probably as good as an Emmy. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think it's a pretty good accomplishment. <laughs> Next up, Walter White from Breaking Bad. There we go. Now, we just discussed Walter in some detail on our Breaking Bad podcast. Yes. Been staying up to date with that news episode of season five. Magnets, bitches. It's magnets. <laughs> <laughs> That's like just a pretty random thing to say for people that <laughs> haven't seen the episode. It's not even something Walter White said. Yeah. <laughs> Walter White. Now, we've seen him change a lot throughout yeah. the course of Breaking Bad. He's this well-tempered, mild guy that seems to have everything all right going for him. He's a teacher with a nice family. Get some bad news. He's got cancer. Oh. He decides to break bad. Oh. <laughs> it's like you're hearing this for the first time. <laughs> Getting very effective by what I'm telling you, Matt. And so he decides to start selling, well, making and selling meth in order to make money for his family to provide for their future. Mm. And throughout the course of the series, we see him just delve further and further into this criminal lifestyle. Yeah. To the point, we get to the point where we go, is Walter White a good guy? Yeah. What will Walter White not do? Mm. And what he does do is come up with some pretty good schemes. He yeah. goes head to head with drug dealers, manufacturers, the big boss guys behind the whole mm. drug system. And he holds his own. With some pretty classic TV episodes. Yeah. Again, good at the manipulation and the sort of strategy and things like that. This is what we want. This is but this is basically yeah. an audition for yeah. uh, a season of Survivor. Yeah. Rather than being 
a bit inconsistent, like some of the characters we've talked about, he gets more and more intriguing every season. We're only three episodes into season five, and I'm like, what will Walter White do this season? More intriguing in the sense of what is he going to do. Maybe less intriguing as to who he is. Well, I think we're getting a better idea, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, like the first season, you don't know, is this a good guy or a bad guy? He's now a bad guy. Like, I'm not, like, going, oh, I wonder who... Like, not like with Don Drake where I'm going, I wonder if he's a good guy or not. Like, who is this there isn't, man? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I know who Walter White is now. I just want to see what crazy stuff he's going to come up with. <laughs> what crazy scheme he's got next. Yeah, he's entertaining, he's smart, he's badass, he's great. The uh, Emmys like him. The Emmys like him. Three, three for three. Three for three. Uh, going for his fourth this year. Could get it. So, Walter White, are we thinking middle? I was thinking middle to high. Mm-hmm. In between Don Draper and Patty Hughes. Yeah, I'd probably put him between Don Draper and President Logan. I would have him above Don Draper, but it's only a one position difference. Okay, we'll put him below Don Draper. Okay, next name. John Locke from Lost. We love the Lost on the Screen Verdict podcast. If by love you mean we've referred to it several times, <laughs> mostly in regards to how disappointed we were that the show went nowhere. <laughs> a lot of questions, no answers. Yep. But it had John Locke. It had John Locke. A character you're a fan of, Matt. Tell yeah. us about Locke. Season one Lost was obviously a huge show. I got into it season one. I think the main, the biggest thing that got me into it and the thing I was most excited about it was the character of John Locke. He had a bit of mystery behind him. And there's that, I think, fourth episode of the season called Walkabout, which is just a great episode of Lost. It's, I guess, here's the problem. One of the problems with season one of Lost, which is a great season. Like, they're on this island, and they do a lot of complaining about being on the island, like a lot of, like, negative Nellies on this island. And then each episode you get a flashback to their lives off the island. And their lives off the island are even worse than their lives on the island. But you're just whinging. Especially that Jack guy. What a whinger. What a crybaby. John Locke gets on the island. He actually doesn't... Like, he actually appreciates what he has. And he has that sense of adventure about the island that I think as a viewer to a show about people on a desert island, you want to have. And then you find out his backstory and it's so heartbreaking. And you see why this island is a chance for him to get a second chance at life and this great line that he has uh, both off the island and on the island of don't you ever try to tell me what i can't do and it's a great sort of tagline for his character in the show so i i think fantastic character really good character john Locke. what did you think of john Locke watching lost i liked how Locke would do things when the other characters wouldn't Hmm. but at the same time i found his belief or interest or confidence in sort of, I guess like the powers and mysteries of the island a little misplaced mm-hmm. and a little boring mm-hmm. a little repetitive when not much actually came out of them yeah and I guess I got a little bored and tired of that however he does have some great moments in particular blowing up the submarine yeah which he won an Emmy for that episode that episode won an Emmy the submarine explosion episode Season three was when I was really tired of Lost. I thought season one was intriguing. 
Season two, we got no more answers. Season three, we got no more answers. But towards the end, we had a couple of great episodes, including Locke blowing up the submarine. Awesome. And so for those memorable moments, I think Locke is a good character, but for me, he's not a great one. Okay. So I would have Locke low on the list. I was going to say high, (laughs) but a low high. So I'm thinking President Logan territory for John Locke. Yeah, I would struggle to put Locke above Walter White. Maybe put John Locke below Daenerys Targaryen. I would put him below Daenerys yeah, as well. maybe put him there, but above Ruth Fisher. Not that many names left, but this one's a big one. Tony Soprano from The Sopranos. Yeah. When we talked about the renaissance of TV, it arguably started with The Sopranos. Yeah, I would say. So that started, uh, I think, the year before the West Wing, so fair (laughs) enough. (laughs) You had these cable dramas where, because people were paying to watch TV, they had the budget Mm. to really put time and effort into the shows. Mm. And with Sopranos, they went for something a lot deeper, more substantial than Mm. generally was on TV at the time. Yes. And it was quite arty and dark and complex. Mm. And Tony Soprano was at the centre of this groundbreaking show. Yeah. He's a mobster. There's a lot of responsibility on his shoulders to uh, take care of these mob dealings. Mm. But he has a lot of personal issues. And we sort of have half the show following the mobster side, half the show following his family side. Mm. And how he tries to to deal with the two Mm. takes a toll on him. And I think some of the great scenes in the show are him in therapy yeah. with uh, Dr. Melfi. Dr. Melfi. We get a really interesting look into the psyche of Tony Soprano and analysing his dreams and his thoughts and how he goes about doing the things that he does because some of the things he does are just not acceptable. Mm. Uh, but we really I wouldn't get... do them. <laughs> but we really get a great insight into why. I think the Sopranos covers a lot of things but in terms of a singular character study i think this is one of the greatest examples we've seen on television and that is of tony soprano yeah he's a great character um maybe not i don't probably like him as much as others do like he's probably not someone i connected with or just loved watching as much as a lot of people did but Uh, that being said he gets a lot of like he is one of the great iconic characters from tv for the past 12 or so years. And, like, I think he does get some credit the same way that Toy Story 1 gets credit for being the first Pixar film <laughs> for ushering in all these great characters on on for sort of being the, 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 I guess, the bar that people are trying to clear. I think he's a bit less likeable and relatable than some of the other characters because the other characters, when they cross moral lines, we sort of go with them. We kind of like them breaking the rules. Yeah. Sometimes Tony Soprano just does things that we get so frustrated with. You go, yeah. no, that was the wrong thing to do. We didn't want you to do that. Yeah. And I think we've got to give that credit because I think that pushes the genre mm. TV yeah. even further. Mm. Okay, yeah. I'd have him very, very high. I'd probably put him below Walter White, but I understand that he is probably deserves to be a bit higher on the list for what he did for TV. I'd have him top three. I would probably have him above Omar. If the Sopranos had maintained the consistency of the first three seasons, You'd be this wouldn't even be a discussion. Okay. Um, I'd just be yelling at you right now. Well, let's put him third. (laughs) 
Okay, so, next name. Things this are lighting up. It's getting crowded at the top. I forgot we had Tony Soprano still in there. Like That, that was a big name, man. Okay, so, <laughs> some would argue maybe equally big. Sydney Bristow from Alias. <laughs> I think the definition of some being four or more, I think that's a generous... People without HBO, maybe. <laughs> now, I remember watching Alias around midday on Fox 8, <laughs> and that was very little time after it was initially released. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that puts you, uh, gives you an idea of where that show... Uh, Ranks in the we TV watched, We were watching a bit of Alias before this uh, podcast. I laughed a lot. Yeah, it was pretty... It's dated a little bit for a show that's only about, what, eight years old or something. <laughs> um, the music is quite amusing, too, that they've chosen for most of those scenes. It's kind of a female 24, mm. but a little bit sexier, but I guess also a little bit cheesier. Yeah. It's, I guess, not about stopping terrorism as much as doing a bit more espionage-type work as well. But, yeah, look, I, I'm putting it out there. I don't think this is a great show, Alias. Uh, I know some people like it. I don't think it does. And I feel like the first season was sort of okay and entertaining, and then it just got more convoluted and complicated. So, but the character of uh, Sydney Bristow was a pretty iconic character. Sort of, uh, she had her gimmicks, like she uh, each episode would go to a different place in a costume, which pretty much constituted a, a different coloured wig and some form of swimsuit or lingerie or short skirt. And it would usually end with her in this fight scene, which is pretty entertaining TV. <laughs> and she'd do a different accent and things. So it was not a great character, but it is a fun character. And it is an iconic character. I remember uh, in Arrested Development when they think there might be a spy going out with Michael. He's going, well, that's not her name. And someone said, maybe she's using an alias. And Buster, like, stands up and goes, wait, alias is a show about a spy! (laughs) 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 So, um, yeah, what do you think, Sydney Bristow? An entertaining, iconic character? I think it's a fun idea for a character, those traits. It is quite good. You've got different outfit each week, different sort of spy missions. You've got to track down this and that with a fight scene and a few good one-liners. But the quality and the consistency is not there to the same extent with the other characters we have on the list. So I'd be putting her low. I think maybe the bottom of the list is a good place for (laughs) Alias. Yes? Sydney Bristow in bottom place. And our listeners might note that we have uh, had double the women characters we have from our comedy list. (laughs) So there you go. To follow that up, we have Malcolm Reynolds. Okay, Captain Malcolm Reynolds, I believe. Captain Malcolm Reynolds. Mal. Mm. From Firefly. Mm -hmm. People got excited for Joss Whedon's The Avengers. Mm. You might also know him from Buffy, Angel, Mm. and Firefly. Yep. And this is my favourite of the TV series that he did. What about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog? <laughs> now, Firefly is a show about space cowboys, I guess, in a way. Well, Set in the future. Not the one with Clint Eastwood. And... <laughs> <laughs> Even better. <laughs> it's a team on a ship that fly around, and each week they usually have a mission to smuggle something or steal something. 
because they're outlaws on the run from the Alliance, and he's the captain. And he's quite an interesting character. There's this history that we learn about, about him fighting for, in the War of uh, Independence in which the Browncoats lost, and now we have him, I guess, trying to deal with the the scars of that loss, him not really being attached to anything, him kind of like moving around in this spaceship, going from one thing to the next each week. But he does it in a stylish and comedic way. Mm. He has this humor, I guess, to hide the uh, the wounds, mm. if you will. And he's a really great captain. He always can get the team out of a jam. He's great in a gunfight or a duel. And he always finishes them off with some pretty good one-liners. Mm. So... Perhaps a little bit similar to Alias in terms of mm. that style of show. Can stray a little bit into the cheesy territory, but for the most part, you, you really just go with it. I haven't seen Heaps of Firefly. Definitely the idea of a cowboy space show intrigues me. Um, and I watched uh, some of the show after you sent me the link. When you sent me the name and I looked him up, I was like, oh, no, it's the guy from Castle. <laughs> <laughs> the guy from Castle's on our list. What a joke. Uh, I think a lot of listeners would be like, what, you chose the Nathan Fillion role that's not Castle? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's so good as Castle. But, no. But, uh, the clips I watched, he was pretty entertaining. A pretty entertaining character. For a cowboy, I'm a bit disappointed he's not wearing a cowboy hat. Yeah, it's cowboy-ish. They don't use the term cowboy. Yeah. I use it to sell it. Mm. I'd heard other people sell it like that, though. So it's a little disappointing not to see a cowboy hat. Maybe low? I feel like him not having a cowboy hat should not affect his ranking on the list. I feel like that's about well, to the be, least objective we could be. To be fair, Al Swearingen didn't have a cowboy hat either. <laughs> and he's in a cowboy show. I'm thinking above Samson, below Ruth Fisher. Okay, I'm fine with that. Dexter Morgan. From what show? Dexter. Dexter. Dexter from Dexter. Yeah. He is a serial killer that kills serial killers. Mm. Another morally ambiguous character, perhaps. <laughs> this is a pretty famous character. A yeah. character that leads the show. We've yeah. had a few like ensemble characters. This is... He's called Dexter. The show's about Dexter. Mm. And I think season one of Dexter is, is one of the great seasons of Dexter. Uh, of Dexter. <laughs> 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 Television drama in general. Uh, <laughs> not one of the great seasons of Lost. It was a great season of Dexter. And he's a forensic analyst, a blood spatter analyst and I think for the Miami Police Department. And people may have thought when they are uh, crime scene investigator in Miami seen it before <laughs> show me something at how could he be better than Horatio <laughs> Horatio Kane well maybe he's not Horatio Kane could be one of the names in a hat <laughs> and in the show Dexter we have him needing to satisfy his desire to kill people he needs to kill people mm. and so he gets taught this code we mentioned code before we like a code and mm. um, whether people will stick to this code of only killing bad people so he uses his scientific knowledge and insider knowledge placement in the police department to get info on these people that have gotten away with murder, mm. hunt them down, and kill them. Mm. Without Pretty controversial premise. Without getting Without caught himself, yeah. And I think this is very interesting to watch for a few seasons. Mm. Gets a little patchy. We did a season six review. Mm. We quite liked it. 
and I think also with Dexter, like each season he's got like a nemesis. Someone he comes up against too. Maybe a bit like Trinity Patty Killer, Hughes. Yeah. Ice Truck Killer. Yeah. The Skinner. Yeah. <laughs> the Skinner. We loved him. Um, John Lithgow. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Solomon. He can, yeah. <laughs> Next season is John Not as the Trinity Killer. He's hunting <laughs> down John, John Lithgow. Lithgow. I think it'd be a good season for Dexter. Just like you get a famous actor in like Ted Danson and he finds out like Ted Danson murders people. And he's got like Ted Danson. How cool would that be? The Cheers Killer. So how much do you like Dexter, Matt? I really like him. He's a good character, but I'd maybe put him in the Doctor House territory of a great iconic character who's a bit hit or miss. I would say in the low, but mm-hmm. maybe above Samson. Yeah, okay. I think only maybe about two to go. We have now Gil Grissom. Yeah, another crime scene investigator. Again, Horatio has been snubbed in yeah. terms of uh, crime scene <laughs> investigators. There's one name left, so it could be him, but uh, it isn't. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm going to make a claim with Gil Grissom here. I think William Peterson's performance as Gil Grissom is the most underrated performance on TV from the past 12 years. Wow. I think there is a reason why CSI was the best procedural crime show this past decade, and I think it's because of the character of Gil Grissom. You had a lead there who had an interesting uh, personal life and things struggling with uh, uh, losing his hearing and having hearing problems, going out with uh, one of the other crime scene investigators and how he approached that. But it never became soap opera-y because they didn't deal with it much. They only gave you very little bits of his character at a time. He's interested in bugs and he's quirky and he's funny and he's a nerd. But... They never let that become what the show's about. So even more interesting, his character, because you get so little of it. So it's very rewarding when you get a bit of insights into his character. Now, one thing I liked about the character of Gil Grissom, now watching these clips in order to reintroduce myself to the character, I noticed as the show went on, his hair became more and more white each season. Until this season, he had turned into Ted Danson. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So that's a good progression for you. Yeah, yeah. I liked CSI a bit when I was in school. It was one of those things I guess I would watch when it was on and I was watching more late night TV then. But it was never one of my favourite shows. And I think Gil Grissom was one of the better things about that show because amongst the sort of, I guess, formulaic nature of those crime shows, he was something that was a bit different mm-hmm. that I guess stood out. Yeah. And I think was a part of the longevity of the show Mm. that kept it running and being so popular for so, so many seasons. But I admit he's not one of my favourites. Yeah. Okay. Well, I would put Gil Grissom low. So where would you like to place him? I think I was thinking high middle. So maybe not in that top echelon, but a bit fairly high. You called it with President Logan. I'm calling Walter White a little bit of a a ceiling here. I would... I would be reluctant to put him above Walter White. Okay, so maybe putting him... Maybe under Logan? Yeah, okay. John Luther. A whole country just went up in arms. Yeah. (laughs) Um, 
Um, Idris Elba fans probably already stopped listening to the podcast thinking, ah, Stringer Bell wasn't chosen from the wire. (laughs) Idris Elba, he's out. I'm giving up on this stupid list. He made it in at the last name. He's not going to delete you off Skype. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to stay good friends, you and Idris Elba. Yeah. John Luther from the show Luther. Mm. Another detective uh, crime show. Yeah. The show is about Luther and sort of, I guess, what he's done in the past as a cop and him coming back and there's a bit of suspicion about him. And there's sort of a bit of like an on-running serial thing throughout the series and then also things that he tries to, Mm. to solve each week. And I think the show is... A little bit formulaic, but a little bit cleverer than your average cop show. Mm. But what makes the show worth watching is the character of Luther. Mm. He has these demons and he has to try to convince everyone that he's a good guy and they need to give him the leeway that he needs in order to be able to solve these cases because he's the guy that is smart enough to put things together and a man of action in order to, to get it done. He is a bit reckless, though. You don't know how much he cares about his own safety. Yeah. So he will put himself in positions that other people won't. Mm. He's a loose cannon. <laughs> he is a loose cannon, and Idris Elba gives a really great performance here. I think he's a remarkable actor. Did, yeah. It was great as Stringer Bell in The Wire. He's had some small parts in uh, films like Thor. I think he stole Thor as the gatekeeper. And he does a really good job at uh, fully realising the character of Luther. Yeah. He's a great actor. It's a fun character. It's good to watch. Yeah. I, I like the Luther. I was thinking low of middle. Maybe below Dexter, above Samson. Below Dexter, above Samson. Well, I'm, I'm obviously happy with that. And that's it. That's 20. That's Oh, is that 20? Whoa, we worked through them not too badly. <laughs> Cowboy hat is empty. I can now wear it. <laughs> Add a little bit of weight to your opinion yeah. while we argue yeah. the, uh, <laughs> the final, final ranking. Yeah. So we have our 20 characters. Mm-hmm. Now what we're going to do is go through the order mm. and debate the uh, their positions and give our final verdict on the 20 best drama characters yeah. since 2000. And we'll go from bottom to top. Yeah, we'll save the yeah. best to yeah. last. Yeah. At the bottom we've got Sydney Bristow. Above her, Dr. House and Samson, John Luther and Dexter Morgan. This makes up the low section. The low section. What are we thinking about here? At the list, I'm thinking people maybe might have expected House or Dexter to be a bit higher, but I'm, mm. I'm pretty happy with, with where they are. Yeah. Yes, okay. So we're happy with that. So let's check the middle <laughs> section, see we, <laughs> who we want to bump up, push down mm-hmm. or reorder. Okay. So at the bottom, we've got Captain Malcolm Reynolds. Then we've got Rue Fisher. Then we've got John Locke. Then we've got Daenerys Targaryen. Then we've got Gil Grissom. Then President Charles Logan. Then Walter White. And heading it up, Don Draper. I'm thinking more whether, like, should we put Daenerys over Gil, perhaps? I would put Daenerys over Gil. Mm. Yeah. One more issue I have in okay. the middle yes, is okay. Walter White. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking he could be higher. Okay. I think Don Draper is a lot more of an interesting character. But Do you want to move Draper higher? Oh. Because that means White could come with. He could ride <laughs> Draper's coattails into the high section. <laughs> should, we put the, should we move those two characters to high so we can discuss that when we're talking about the other characters in high? 
I think there's a bit of a gap from but, them yeah, to the, okay. the rest so in the middle. So maybe, maybe move it to high because it seems a bit hard. We're discussing middle, but now we're talking about whether we're like moving them above high people. So now the high section. This is what everyone's been this waiting is for. Where this is what people want to hear. So at the bottom we have Walter White, yeah. then Don Draper, then Paddy Hughes, Vic Mackey, Al Swearingen, Omar Little, Tony Soprano, President Jed Bartlett, and Alan Shaw, mm. rounding out the high section. Yeah. Well, some big names. Some really big characters here. Okay. Well, I guess we're first going to discuss the Don Draper-Walter White situation. Take Don Draper out of the equation. Do you think Walter White should... How high do you think Walter White should be? I think I would keep him below Vic Mackey. Okay. I think he's in the Paddy Hughes range. If I, if we were to go above anyone, it would be Paddy Hughes. Okay, okay. So I think we're not talking about much upward movement for Walter White. We should... Re- the discussion's really Don Draper versus Walter White here. I think we both side. like Paddy Hughes, yes. and I've created a bit of a limit for Draper, and you've created a little bit yeah. of a limit for Walter White. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess the question is just Draper versus White. I feel like you're more passionate about Draper than White, because I was only prepared to bump him up to Paddy Hughes, whereas you were prepared to bump Draper up quite a bit. I guess. So maybe keep Draper above White. Mm, people do love the White, though. People do love Cranston. He's won three Emmys. Like, I'd be happy with White over Draper. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I might be a bit more passionate about Draper than you are about White. However, I think I prefer White to you with Draper. Because <laughs> you thought Draper should be low. And I think White's in a pretty good spot here. So I think if we gave both of these a score out of 10, White would get a better score. <laughs> a better collective score. That's true. I seem like since you wanted him low, getting Draper in the top 10 was pretty good. <laughs> so maybe move White up. Yeah, you think? Okay. I, okay. I feel like you've talked me around to it, even though it's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> Are we, but we would, and you were trying You're to get terrible at negotiating. <laughs> maybe I'm terrible at negotiating. Why am I such we a will... hard sell on something I want? Yeah. <laughs> Are we both maybe trying to give the other person their way now? (laughs) So later on, we can say, well, well, you got white high, (laughs) so now I get my way. Strategy, these ranks, for sure. All right, let's move on from those two. Let's get to the the top end. Mm. We have seven names. Okay, Patty Hughes. Are we happy with her there? Like, I'd put her above Vic Mackey and Al Swearingen, but I don't love her to the extent where I'm going to fight for her to go above either of those two people. I'm pretty happy where she is. Yeah, she's a good character. Like, and Al Swearingen, Vic Mackey, great characters too. Hard to argue with that. Mackey, is he too low? I think it's good with Al. Okay. You want Al on the top? We'll keep Al on the top five. Boy, can't believe you made the top five. <laughs> okay. Omar Little. Would you argue for him to be higher? So you're happy with those placements, seven through five, with Paddy, then Vic, then Al. We're uh, on to the top four now. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay. I think the thing with Omar is he's a great character with great moments, and there is depth, but we don't really know how much depth there is without seeing him on screen as much as Tony Soprano. Mm-hmm. I think the, the times that we saw him, I might have enjoyed him as much, but... We didn't know as much about him. It's not as fully okay. a fleshed mm-hmm. out a character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
and we know that Tony Soprano can carry a show for seven seasons. So that's why he's ranked higher, and I would keep it that way. So lock in Omar Little there. Now I think the big decision. We have the top three characters, and we'll need to decide the rank of these three. We've got Tony Soprano, probably your favourite character on the list. Splitting Tony and Alan Shaw is going to be rough. Okay. And you're leaning towards President Jed Bartlett. Bartlett, My favourite character. And Alan Shaw, someone who we're both pretty passionate about. Who do you think should be at the top of this list? I think I'm liking Alan Shaw for number one. I think that rules Tony Soprano out at the number one slot then. If you're leaning towards Alan Shaw and Tony Soprano is my third favourite of the three. That means Tony is probably in third. Yeah. Now I think Bartlett should be number one. (laughs) People love President Bartlett. He's a great character. Seven years on the West Wing. More Emmy nominations than James Spader. Not quite as many wins. (laughs) (laughs) Walking down the cathedral, ranting at God in Latin, the press conferences with the hands in the pockets, the streets of heaven crowded speech, the 20% of the show that was just cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Which Andrew Jackson had in the front room of his White House. (laughs) (laughs) But no, like, um, The West Wing and The Sopranos are both better shows than Boston Legal. I don't think I'd say that I prefer The West Wing to Boston Legal. Boston Legal, though, like, I think, yeah, season by season was pretty consistent, but it's not like the episodes were really consistent. Like, you love the Alan Shaw, Denny Crane stuff, and then the other stuff could be very hit or miss. That's okay, though, because we're only talking okay. about Alan Shaw. Okay. <laughs> like, he was quite consistent. Okay, so I'm thinking Alan Shaw, Jed Bartlett, Tony Soprano is the rank. I think Alan Shaw is this combined screen, screen verdict, verdict favourite. And when we were talking about these characters, like, I was obviously very passionate about Bartlett. You were very passionate about Tony Soprano. But we were both pretty passionate about Alan Shaw. So I think that's a pretty, pretty fair list. Is that a wrap? Do we want to do we want to call it? Yeah, let's call it. We'll sign off on it. Should we give everyone the final rundown of the list? Yeah, just after you've signed it, so it's official. Okay, yep. Okay, let's go through it. The top twenty drama characters since two thousand. Number one, Alan Shaw from The Practice and Boston Legal. Number two. President Jed Bartlett from The West Wing. Number three. Tony Soprano from The Sopranos. Number four. Omar Little from The Wire. Number five. Al Swearingen from Deadwood. Number six. Vic Mackey from The Shield. Number seven. Patty Hughes from Damages. Number eight. Walter White from Breaking Bad. Number nine. Don Draper from Mad Men. Number ten. President Logan from 24. Number 11. Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Number 12. Gil Grissom from CSI. Number 13. 
John Locke from Lost. Number 14. Ruth Fisher from Six Feet Under. Number 15. Captain Malcolm Reynolds from Firefly. Number 16. Dexter Morgan from Dexter. Number 17. John Luther from Luther. Number 18. Samson from Carnival. Number 19. Dr. House from House. Number 20. Everybody's favourite, Sydney Bristow from Alias. <laughs> yes. So there you go, there's a 20, 20 drama characters. That wasn't easy. Whoa, that was an ordeal. <laughs> a drama in itself, some might say. <laughs> we better close up this podcast. <laughs> it's all been a long one. Well, we had some thoughts. I'm sure you have some thoughts oh, too. Oh, people are going to be very upset. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe let us know that you agree with some of our picks. Let us know who you think maybe got snubbed and let us know uh, who you maybe wanted uh, a bit higher or lower on the list. Some people definitely, of all these names, there'll be something to get people upset. (laughs) Something for everyone to get upset with. Pick pick one thing you're happy with and uh, hold on to that. Try something to please everyone too. Sounds quite the rank. I think fitting for our 50th podcast. Yeah, 50th podcast. We wanted a big one. Big screen it. verdict. Mm. Uh, we've, got, we've got an exciting uh, couple of podcasts coming up, some all sorts of things coming up in the next couple of months, some movies, some uh, TV shows wrapping up, another Breaking Bad season should be climbing to a close, MTV, VMA Awards, <laughs> all sorts of things, Emmy Awards, it's all happening. Screen verdict, subscribe to us on iTunes, like us on Facebook. So, guys, that was a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it, and... Yeah. Tune in next week. Yep. Bye.